Okay. Welcome back to the Conscious Resistance Lab. Uh, sorry about that long delay there. We had some technical problems with the, pro uh, the program tonight, but let's move on. I'm happy to bring to you our first guest of the night, uh, James Corbett of the Corbett Report. If you've never checked out CorbettReport.com, please do so. Do yourself a favor and do that. He does weekly interviews and reports and some great analysis on a number of different topics. Welcome to the show, James. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us tonight. I specifically wanted to catch up with you. You know, you've uh, covered a lot of important topics, but one that I want to get into tonight is looking at what's happening in uh, Ukraine. Well, this is such a, a big story right now, obviously, and I think it's important for all of us to be keeping an eye on what's happening in Ukraine, specifically because there is the the sense that this is the build-up towards, at, at the very least, the fault lines for a possible World War III scenario. And I don't want to use uh, bandy that phrase around lightly. I mean, this is an extremely important topic for a lot of people, and we're starting to see the, the outlines of at least what's being called this new Cold War in the mainstream media that they're talking about with the, the, the battle lines being drawn between the NATO allies and Russia taking place, obviously, on this Ukrainian fault line. So I think it's extremely important for us to really understand what's going on here. And I think the best way to get a handle on that is to take a look at what's happened since the installation of this coup-backed, uh, U.S.-backed coup product uh, gov uh, government, quote-unquote, that's been installed in Kiev since this began under um, Arseny Yatsenyuk, better known as Yats, who, of course, was talked about in that uh, leaked phone conversation between Victoria Newland and the U.S. Uh, ambassador to Ukraine w um, that came out a, a, a month or two ago in which they were talking about installing Yatsenyuk as the new prime minister. And lo and behold, here we are, and here he is as the new interim prime minister. And what was the very first thing that he did uh, upon taking office was to come out and say, don't worry, IMF, we are going to cooperate with you absolutely fully on all of your conditions for any type of financial aid that you provide to us. And um, given that the Ukraine is in such dire financial uh, situation and is in debt to the tune of $35 billion um, that they need just to maintain, just to stave off the bank bankruptcy that's looming on the horizon for them, they are definitely in a position to be um, not to put too fine a point on it, economically raped by the, the uh, <laughs> economic system. And this is not something that will come as much of a shock, I think, to people who have been studying this issue. For example, the uh, the issues that have been raised by uh, the so-called economic hitman um, and John Perkins and others who have been exposing this uh, this system and what it's been doing around the world for decades now. But I think most of us are familiar with this in the context of what's been happening in Latin America and in in African countries and countries on the periphery of the uh, the, the global order, as it were, um, countries that, that a lot of people only hear about on the news and, and then quickly forget about. But what's happening in Ukraine right now is starting to draw this back to, from the periphery towards the center of the global empire, um, towards Europe. And, uh, of course, we've seen the Eurozone collapse. And I think all of this can be seen as part puzzle pieces in this giant puzzle that is uh, showing us that we are on the brink of, of a, a, a civilization level collapse. And, and I, again, I don't want to say that lightly. It, it has a lot of economic ramifications, but of course it goes back towards the construction of the global economic empire through the, uh, the IMF and the World Bank and these other globalist institutions that are being puppeteered by the central banks and uh, the central bank of central banks, the Bank of International S Settlements in uh, Basel, Switzerland. 
And uh, and again, the the latest on this, of course, is the uh, the Ukrainian prime minister who is who just uh, last Thursday was uh, agreeing to a economic aid package from the IMF for mm-hmm. um, somewhere between 14 and 18 billion dollars, which will come with um, all sorts of restrictions on the Ukrainian economy and ways that they are supposed to enact austerity in the name of putting this all uh, putting the, the Ukrainian economy back in order. Now, of course, this has already been proven to been been a lie, um, given the austerity measures that were imposed in Greece, that now everyone across the board admits was a complete and abject failure, if the purpose was indeed to get the Greek economy back on board. But I think that we can understand that that wasn't really the ultimate objective. The objective is to to take the Greek economy or the Ukrainian economy or whatever happens to be in the crosshairs this week and to uh, to subjugate that to this system, to put it into debt enslavement to this banking matrix. So I think that's the that's the outline of what we're facing here in Ukraine. And uh, and it's it's part and parcel of a larger system that's taking into place, uh, to, that's being put into place right now, sorry, but it does involve uh, these two main players on the geopolitical chessboard right now, the, the US uh, NATO allies and then Russia with its uh, resistance block allies. And in that regard, I think this is an exceptionally important conflict that's taking place at, that, that might in some ways define the, the arc of the conflict that's shaping up for the, uh, the first half of the 21st century. Yeah, definitely. You know, James, you said a whole lot there that's really important that I want to go, I want to work our way through. And, and it's all, uh, I, I agree completely with your analysis of the situation um, as far as the IMF and the global banking system being the ones who are going to benefit from this entire process as the uh, Ukrainian people are are stolen from once again as governments around the world continue to do. Now, I wanted to get into, I have one particular question earlier that I wanted to get your, your thoughts on. Uh, and you sort of touched on it there as far as uh, the NATO allies and, um, you know, the resistance to that. In the larger the larger scheme of things, uh, the idea of a new world order, of a global government or a global state uh, existing and coming together. And we understand that there's covert actions and, and there's a lot of um, actions taking place behind the scenes that we often don't see and that we look for. You know, we see we see hints of these and we try to put the pieces together. Do you really... In your perception, do you really believe that uh, Russia is an enemy of the United States or the, the enemy of the United States and their allies in the, in the global uh, creation of, of, a, of a new order or, and, and that they're after their own type of order? Or do you think that's also all, um, smoke and mirrors? I ultimately, I think that the, the situation is both more complicated and nuanced than a lot of people, even in the alternative media, are putting it, and in some ways, a lot simpler than is the mainstream narrative. And that's that's kind of contradictory. But I think that comes from this idea that uh, that basically we as human beings are easily led into either or black or white, um, one or zero type dichotomies. And there's a lot of nuance that gets lost along the way. So that when we talk about this this overarching uh, uh, narrative, this thrust of this the, the the global system towards this globalist uh, one world order, I think that it's easy to to understand that in terms that there is simply one. Uh, one team that's all working on the same page and all working towards the, the, the this same goal in the same way. And I think that's ultimately that's too simplistic. I think even within people who would be seen to be part of that same that same ideology, even people who are in the same groups, the same Council on Foreign Relations or Bilderberg or etc., there are lots of different factions and rivalries and enemies within that uh, that ideology vying for control of of where this process is going and who ends up on top. So from within that system, I 
I think it's 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 more complicated than than sometimes is portrayed in the alternative media that it's just one uh, one kind of group that's working in concert. But having said that, that also means that on the other side of this, sometimes it's portrayed that there's this globalist group versus the uh, the Russians or the Chinese or whoever seems to be the the target of the moment. And in that in that type of framework, then it seems like, well, then the, the Russians or the Chinese, they must be the good guys in this because they're resisting the, the globalists. And again, I think that's too simplistic because um, although they are, I think, resisting what's happening militarily, for example, in Ukraine and, and uh, Syria and places like that, I think that the ideology that is driving the people in the positions of power of these resistance bloc countries is fundamentally not uh, completely different than the ideology that's driving the people on the other side of the coin. It's just a question of who has the, the upper hand at the moment. And of course, that that remains the, the NATO um, ally gangsters and the banksters who are behind them. Um, and, and so I think that we have to look at what Putin is doing, for example, in the context of his dream, I think, of reinstituting some sort of, um, well, it's now going under the name of Eurasian Union, um, and it's being put uh, forward as a type of trade block between Russia and some of its former Soviet satellites. But I think really towards the creation and cementing of a, 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 a larger regional governmental type uh, uh, institution that will provide that type of counterbalance against NATO and, and what it's doing. So again, we see that dichotomy, the one or zero black or white nature being used to drive people into situations where in order to combat the globalist threat from, from NATO, you have to create another global entity, uh, some sort of resistance block that will, again, form much of the same thing in the name of fighting that thing that which we're that people are against and we as spectators of this as the average person who doesn't have any say in any of these globalist institutions might be tempted to put our our ideas our our uh, our energy our time our effort our our unity into supporting one or other of these 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 blocks whether it's the the nato block we can rally around the flag and rah rah and and cheer on the the, the war profiteers or if we're savvier than that we can say well that's <laughs> wrong so we must be on the other side we must be on the side of Russia and China and and these people. I'd like to propose that there is a third way that we can, um, in fact, eschew this system completely and work as yeah. as individual human beings who are against this overarching ideology of globalism altogether. But it's a lot harder to do that, and it's very easy for us to get grouped into tribalist kind of camps, warring with each other rather than looking at the bigger picture. I'm I'm very excited that you that you hit on that point, James, because I agree with you 100. percent We need to find so the solutions uh you know i try to really bring those points home that for one we have to start working on ourselves working locally uh on our own selves and in our communities and really trying to communicate these ideas to other people and to look for solutions for them not just to constantly uh, be fear-mongering or to just be spreading information without any type of uh, idea of how to move people forward which is what people are looking for what i recognize is that there are often individuals individuals out there who are not completely ignorant to what's going on in the world but they um, either lack creativity in seeking solutions or they have just been propagandized into believing that the state and the government is the only solution and so there could be no freedom without that. But it's just a matter of us communicating these ideas and breaking down those false barriers and, and achieving real change. Um, and and I, I agree with you on the idea of that there's warring cartels or factions of this. It's not simply one group. And I think that my uh, understanding of that has grown over the past couple of years as well, just coming to that understanding that there are... You know, sometimes just because 
Putin or some uh, you know foreign politician has given it to Obama or some or the 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 Americans. It doesn't mean that they have any better vision of the world if they if they take over this country and things like that. So at the end of the day, I, you know, I try to remind everyone that whatever coups we're talking about or uprisings we're talking about in Venezuela, Ukraine, destabilizations happening all around the world and often Western influence at the bottom of it, at the heart of that are everyday people like you and I who are just looking for answers and just trying to be free. And often they're swimming in a sea of uh, misinformation and propaganda and just trying to figure out how to get through the next day. So I think there are real solutions to be found. Um, and, and so looking forward with the situation in Ukraine, and I mentioned the destabilization in Venezuela, do you think these are just continuation of the, the same old plan that we've seen happening for quite some time now, uh, Western influence in these nations, um, just a furthering of creation of that global state, or do they represent any type of change from the typical coup d'etat? Well, I think they are just a difference of degree in terms of um, what's happening. So I, I think we can connect them to what's happened in the past. But because that degree has been ramped up so much, I think it's almost a difference in kind. So that we can see, for example, I mean, we've, we've watched the, dis the complete destruction and takeover of many different smaller governments and, and economies around the world for a very long time. But as I say, that's often taken place along the periphery. But Ukraine, they're on that, that nexus of, uh, of natural gas corridor, for example, between Russia and Europe, does stand in a, in a particularly important part uh, of the world in, uh, in that Central Asian, Eurasian part of that, uh, that, that, that nexus that, of course, Big New Brzezinski wrote about in his 1997 book, The, the Global uh, Chessboard, talking about how this is really the 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 absolute center of of the world that whoever controls the the central asian and, and eurasian part of the world the the global chessboard does control the globe and i think we can see that the, the for example what's taking place in ukraine right now is thus extremely important from that perspective and so i think looking forward from here uh, uh, let's let's look at the situation from the perspective of the ukrainians because i think that there probably was a significant degree to which there were people certainly in the western part of ukraine who did have and i think legitimate grievance with the uh, the the the, the gangsterish government of Yanukovych who really was the gangster thug who took over from the gangster thug be before him um, who was instituted in the Orange Revolution which was again backed by the uh, the National Endowment for Democracy and and uh, Soros's Open Society Institute and all of these types of groups that have uh, that have become the color revolution specialists in recent years so I think from their perspective I, I can certainly see why there would have been uh, a, a lot of resentment about Yanukovych and the way that he was handling the country and, and the types of nepotism and other things that were going on but then again what's what have they really replaced that with with now with Yatsenyuk and people like that stepping in again at the behest of the US State Department and the people who have been puppeteering this this thing for for many years so um, it's it's kind of the rock and the hard place um, I mean do you, do you just throw out one gang of thugs and institute another and I think that this again has to go back to what you were saying there about looking for the ways that the people can actually come together to try to find a solution that doesn't revolve around this nexus of, of the banks and the banksters and the IMF and the World Bank and the Russian government and all of these big players that are all trying to carve out a piece of the Ukrainian economy and use it for their own political purposes. And uh, it's, it's difficult for us at, at this level to, to look at a system like this and, and how it uh, is, is really completely 100% uh, totalizing the way that we've been steeped into this system our entire lives and to try to imagine 
imagine a way of getting around this. And it uh, the, the types of things that people can do to collaborate at this point and to try to avoid the system and, and, and extricate themselves from it seem almost laughably like baby steps at this point. Um, the idea of creation of, of local trading communities, the uh, complementary currencies, the ways that people can actually start to detach themselves from this banking system. Again, it's, uh, um, it's, it's almost overwhelming to even contemplate. But I think if we don't start contemplating that now and in a serious manner, I mean, really st- seriously start to try to put together ways that we can um, eschew some of this, this paper funny money that they've, uh, they've hooked us on, um, unless we start to really start to think about that now, we are probably going to lose this game. And this isn't a game for, um, for just uh, the, the control of the globe for a few years or a few decades or even a couple of generations, as we've seen in empires in the past. This is as we start to move into this, this technotronic era, again, as Big New Brzezinski has called it, and uh, the, the idea that we can now manipulate humans down to the level of the genome and we're starting to experiment with, uh, with GMO crops and all of these things that are truly changing the face of the planet as we have known it in the interest of this ruling oligarchy. Um, we really are looking at uh, the game for all the marbles. That is for the future of humankind. And uh, it's hard to, to stress how important our actions in the next uh, in the coming generation will be because it truly will determine that future course of society and whether or not we will uh, continue to to uh, survive and thrive as a, as a human civilization or whether we will be finally and completely conquered by these banksters and their minions. Definitely you have a great way of putting that, James. And uh, I want to get your thoughts briefly. What do you... Are you an anarchist? What do you think about anarchy? Well, I dislike the term anarchy because it's so weighed down now with all sorts of emotional and and mental baggage and it comes with its own history uh, which I'm starting to explore now in a podcast series I'm doing called The Well-Read Anarchist where over the course... I'm glad to hear that. Well, over the course of... I think at this point it it might not become apparent what I'm doing but over the course of the next few years as we start to read into the record more and more of the works of some of the the foundational anarchist uh, thinkers I hope that we'll start to give people a better understanding of what anarchy is where it's coming from and and what its kind of intellectual pedigree and history is. But um, it is a term that is so weighted down that I, I find it can sometimes be actually a roadblock, an impediment to people understanding mm-hmm. what it is that we're trying to say. But yes, I mean, I'm certainly sympathetic to the idea of not having, for example, governmental institutions um, being the, the, the arbiters of what happens in our society in any way, shape or form. I think that the only solution to this centralization of power and control that we've been seeing um, perpetrated by the banking oligarchy will have to come through its exact opposite process of decentralization and bringing that power again back down to the individual level of free human beings interacting in free ways um, to to bring about the type of world that they want. And that's not necessarily, I don't think it will ever be a, a paradise. I don't think we're ever going to arrive at some sort of utopia because human nature is human nature and uh, humans will always uh, be, will be uh, pretty uh, miserable to one another uh, if given the chance. But ultimately, I do believe that it, uh, the the only chance that we do have as a, as a species to be able to at least survive and hopefully thrive on this planet will come through free and uh, and voluntary human interaction rather than through coercion at the f- uh, the force of the barrel of the gun, which is the way that unfortunately human history has been uh, has been steered to the point where we're at and thinking that we're going to get out of the problems that we're in through the same level of thinking that got us into them is as many people have remarked the definition of insanity. Yep, absolutely. Yep, yeah, I I agree with you 100% on that as well, that 
it's difficult to communicate these ideas sometimes when you get stuck in the language because, um, you know, for those who get into the idea of government and they try to fight within those channels, especially, let's speak more specifically, the past five or six years, people who got excited and believed someone like Ron Paul could change things within the political system or really any candidate, and they buy into that and then they try things in the political realm and they learn how corrupt things are and how realistically you have no uh, chance of changing uh, things in that system on the federal level at least you can definitely affect things on a local level but even there there's corruption and so we start looking for solutions outside of the government and looking uh, to our community and often you discover the philosophy of volunteerism or different types of anarchy and, and then for some people they get turned away because there's often just as much division in those worlds based on the language and the terms and it's it's silly to me but I think that Good ideas, for one, they don't require force, but that good ideas can be communicated without needing, you know, say anarchy or declare yourself an anarchist all the time. But just the idea that, yeah, we don't need to aggress on each other and that we should have voluntary interaction and that we can do everything that the government purports to do and even better as a community and, and provide all those things. So I, I, I agree with your assessment on that as well. And I think that's really where the move needs to take place. A while back, I was talking with Brandon Smith of thealtmarket.com and He's a great guy when it comes to solutions and thinking of these type forward thinking, as you mentioned, all alternative currencies and those type of things. But, you know, we have to continue to spread awareness on these important topics such as Ukraine and understanding what role the United States plays in it and remembering and knowing that if you're a United States citizen, that your tax dollars are going to funding these war machines. And we have to find ways to create solutions that allow each other to get out of these traps and to stop fueling them. Well, I think that, again, is, is absolutely the key because it's something that we don't like to think about because it, it does bring into question sort of the entire lie that has been the fabric of our lives that have been woven around us. But we are, to a certain extent, uh, culpable for the system that's in place right now because every single day we make choices that either feed into the system and allow it to propagate or will will be that break uh, and impediment to the the the, uh, the overall agenda. And again, it seems it seems like it's not a, a revolutionary act to decide to use, for example, a local alternative currency in order to buy something from some local uh, producer, some organic food at a farmer's market or something, rather than uh, going to the supermarket. But that really is what revolution looks like at this stage of the game, because truly being able to do anything to go around that system of control is uh, going to be as a motorbike goes by in the background here, is going to be exceptionally important to uh, to changing the changing the narrative, changing what's happening. And again, I think it's important for us to to think of our own personal responsibility in all of this, because again, this system, as as uh, as much as it has been and is maintained through uh, all sorts of economic and and military and governmental coercion and force, is still maintained only by the illusion that we as individuals have to buy into the system. There's no way around it. There's nothing we can do. And if we take that mentality on board, then there really will be no way to overthrow what's happening right now. There will be no way to change the course of, of humanity, and we and all hope is lost. I don't believe that. That's why I'm here talking to you. I imagine that's why you're here talking to me, and why everyone who's listening to this conversation is listening, because they don't believe that fundamentally either. There are ways that we can steer ourselves away from this pothole in the ro road that is this uh, global economic empire that's that they're trying to slot into place. And again, it comes down to our personal responsibility of what we can do. And at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, we'll be able to look back and 
even if we are not successful, at the very least, we'll be able to say that we didn't contribute to this problem and we did what it, we could to try to derail it before it got to the point where it's at. And uh, uh, for one, for myself, uh, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but for myself at the end of my life, I hope I'll be able to say at least that much and to, uh, to have contributed what I can to derailing and, and blocking this global agenda. Absolutely. I'd say you've been doing a great job and I really appreciate that. I also appreciate you taking some time to talk to us, James. I got one more question before we let you go for the night. Um, other than the situation in Ukraine and uh, Russia and, and those, uh, those geopolitical happenings, what do you think is the other most pressing issue going on uh, United States or globally? What, what else is on your radar? Well, uh, I think it all feeds in. It's all of a piece. So I think anything that we, we look at will be related to what uh, what's happening there in the microcosm in the Ukrainian crisis. But obviously, I'm here in Japan in the Asia-Pacific region, which is, as I've been documenting here on my website for a while, is becoming um, sort of the new center of attention and, and focus of, of geopolitical gravity. Um, and I think we'll continue to do so in coming decades, especially as uh, the, the Chinese behemoth, again, becomes more of I, I, uh, the, the kind of excuse for, for American military involvement. And, and it just becomes a self-perpetuating cycle of increasing military expenditures. And I think we all know where that goes. So I am looking very much at the Asia-Pacific region and what's happening here and the growing rivalry between Japan and China and, and things of this nature that, again, also feeds into the economic collapse that I think is coming and is being, again, engineered into place by the uh, the banking structures that have uh, uh, positioned themselves to profit from that collapse. So I'm not sure if I can say there's one particular aspect of this that is the most pressing because all of it is of a piece and what happens here in Japan could affect America tomorrow and what happens in America can affect Europe and what happens in Europe can affect Africa and what happens in Africa mm -hmm. can affect Asia. So we we are we have been engineered to this in, into this global situation where we really are all uh, all in the same boat. And that's again why I think it's so important for us to use this technology that we're using right now, this this amazing uh, technology to be able to communicate with each other on an individual level instantaneously around the globe for next to nothing in terms of cost is an incredible power that we have right now that we are going to lose um, in the very near future unless we really do everything we can to, to, to fight to save it. And unfortunately, we've seen all the moves towards internet suppression and repression and censorship in, in recent years that will only continue to, uh, to accelerate from here. So I think that uh, you're exactly right. We have to continue uh, spreading the awareness of these issues and continue connecting so that at the very least we can continue having the conversation about solutions and what kinds of things we want to uh, to sign up to in terms of how we move this forward. So um, so I think ultimately perhaps the most important thing at the moment is just our ability to keep this lifeline, this, this communication line open and to keep the, uh, facilitating this conversation. And uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot more on the internet suppression front in, in the coming years. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight, James. I appreciate you taking your time. Everyone, be sure to check out thecorbettreport.com. James Corbett, thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the work you're doing, so thank you for having me on. All right, have a good night.